You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire, and here with me today to break down the Ravens' Week 13 matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers on Purple Friday is former Ravens wide receiver, Super Bowl champion, Kadri Ismael. And Kadri, this Ravens team, you know, before we talk about Week 13, Week 12, the Ravens mm-hmm. picking up a 16-10 to 10 win over the Cleveland Browns, a hard-fought divisional game as it seems like they always are the hardest, never still in watching the Ravens. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, and uh, what a, a game indeed. You know, you talk about the holidays and, and Thanksgiving and, you know, trying to stay focused and all that. I think the Ravens, yet again, uh, when their back's up against the wall, somehow, some way, find a way to um, prove the, the naysayers wrong and, and come away with a strong division win. Yeah, you know, the, the Ravens, they haven't gotten off to the fast starts. They haven't blown out teams by 30 this season but they're still getting the job done eight and three atop, not just the AFC North, but the whole AFC. I mean, I think when you talk about what this team went through from an injury perspective before the year, what they've gone through even during the year, eight and three at the top of the AFC seems like one of the best case scenarios you could have for them through 12 weeks. But Kadri, starting off with this Browns game and how the Ravens were able to perform, the Ravens offense has struggled to a degree over the past three weeks. They've only scored one offensive touchdown in each of their last three games. And Lamar Jackson was the big, the big talking point in this one. Four interceptions thrown the most in his NFL career in a single game. But the Ravens pull out the victory anyway. The defense played phenomenal. We'll talk about them in a couple minutes. But what would you expect or what did you think that the Ravens were going to do against this Cleveland Browns team on offense? And then why do you think that the Ravens and Lamar Jackson kind of struggled a little bit? And what do you attribute those interceptions to? Was it Lamar Jackson maybe being a bit just – overall rough from having to be out with an illness was it just he wasn't prepared was it the fact that the play calling wasn't there what what did you attribute those interceptions to yeah so I I think going into the week um you know I I thought this team was okay cool we we are you know getting through this three-game stretch they had the 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 tough go at it in Chicago they come away with a a phenomenal last few minutes in the fourth quarter victory so now you move on to a division opponent you know, look at what Cleveland has done. Cleveland is is looking like world beaters one week, and then they look like, boy, what are you doing the next week? And I thought heading into this game, it was really important that, yeah, Lamar Jackson was back at, you know, the quarterback position, that he was, you know, taking full reps and, and feeling really good. The thing that I saw, though, was, yes, there is a rhythm. There is a timing to play in the position of quarterback. I remember – my teammate Peyton Manning, when he would say, hey, if you miss, you know, a practice, that was an equivalent of missing, you know, the first drive or first two drives of the game. If you miss multiple practices, it kind of continues to amplify as far as the, the drives are concerned. But when you miss a week or whatever, either illness or injury, that rust is real and it takes a while to get it back. And I thought that was what really what Lamar was kind of going through was just this rough um, patch of, of I'm seeing the defense do this and my offense is supposed to do that, yet my brain is not matching up to what I'm seeing and I'm just throwing the ball and he wound up, you know, having the four interceptions. By far his worst game of his career, 
uh, especially from a turnover standpoint. But I do like the fact that, yeah, you still have Lamar. You still have Justin Tucker from a kicking aspect of things. And the Ravens, yet again, find a way to to secure the victory. Yeah, it's just, just just unbelievable how this team continues to pull victories out and and do it in really amazing fashion, really. It seems like every other week they're doing it. But a side note there, Q, for the Mar Jackson's turnovers, we have seen him have a bit of an uptick this season, especially with the interceptions. His rookie season, there was a problem with the fumbles. His second and third years, there wasn't really that big of a turnover thing with him. He kind of got it under control. Are the turnovers this year concerning to you as the season goes on? I don't think they're necessarily concerning. Um yeah, sure. The timing isn't the greatest. Um, I think that for Lamar, when you listen to him and his pressers, he's taking ownership of it. Um, it's not like he's he's ducking it or he's feeling uh, some type of way. You know, he's feeling like, yeah, you know, I had four turnovers. This is something that I got to correct. I got to do better with. I like that. I like the fact that, you know, he's being, you know, confident um, with his mindset uh, and and being a lot more, yeah, I, I got to be smarter with the football. I got to be smart about what I do when it comes to, yeah, not putting my team in a bad situation. And so I think moving forward, hopefully all the bad kind of got out of the way. And now we're in a position where, yeah, we can see Lamar Jackson being a lot more mature, a lot smarter, I'm not saying that he's immature in any any stretch of imagination. What I'm saying is is that he's learned from his mistakes and he's been able to, you know, utilize that and help himself be an even better quarterback. Yeah, and I also, you know, to your point, you know, he he is somebody who does not throw anybody under the bus. You know, he's not saying, oh, Mark Andrews should have gone this way. You know what? No, he he takes the blame. He understands he needs to play better in the four interceptions is one, usually not going to win your football games, and two, it's just, you know, for his standards, it's not acceptable for any quarterback standards, not acceptable. But also I think context is important with these interceptions. You know, I think we've seen time and time again where, for example, like Willie Sneed a couple years ago, tipping the ball up in the air and it's picked mm-hmm. off. Or in this game in particular, Rashad Bateman coming across the middle, gets his hands on the football, the ball's tipped in the air. So I'm not saying that all these throws were just solely on Lamar Jackson and, like, it's all his fault. But at the same time, there were some of those where it was just like a bad read or he wasn't reading the defense well. And I think it does come back to the rust factor. You're talking about their cue with him. But also, cue the run game for this team, it seems to be Lamar Jackson. And we've been talking about it for a little while where the running backs, Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman, this isn't prime Devonta Freeman, prime Latavius Murray, they can pick up three yards when you need three or five yards when you need four, but they're not going to break for 15, 20 yards every single play. Something that in their offense, they we were used to seeing with JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards. So moving forward, is the run game any concern to you, especially as this team kind of makes a playoff run and is in the playoffs potentially that they need to get that started. The big plays have to start coming or is it just what it is right now? It is what it is. I don't think you can change this late in the season. And now all of a sudden, find the, the magic formula. I think, yeah, sure, you can say it from a coach speak aspect. Oh, this is our week. Oh, we have a good scheme. And, oh, this defense is not a very good defense against the run. Even when they're not against uh, a good defense against the run, you know, for example, when they played the Chargers, they've had some big runs, but you didn't have these dynamic, ballistic, oh, my gosh, take it to the house type of a run. Um, so, yeah, I think it is going to be the Lamar Jackson big play machine that gets them going in the running game. I think it's about being on schedule. Being on schedule is 
being productive enough on first down, six, seven yards, if you're fortunate. That second down, if you do a quick game, you got to be on target. That'll give you a chance to pick up an easy first down. Otherwise, you got to be in third and short. And that's where the playbook can be opened up. You can do a lot of a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, that that big play, uh, beautiful running aspect that we would have seen with JK and Gus Edwards, you're just not walking through that door. So we just can't put that pressure on Devontae. We can't put that uh, pressure on Latavius. We gotta look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is number eight's gonna be your guy when it comes to you know manufacturing big plays. Uh it's interesting because you and I were we you know talk shop and talking all things football. One of the things I think you know we keep touching upon is the fact that for Lamar, the symmetry and the chemistry that he has with Greg Roman, it's Greg's uh, run blocking scheme that meets Lamar Jackson's talent. But when you have other backs in there it totally shuts down an aggressive defense and causes you to read and look and see where everything is coming from. You just don't have that this year, so it's a little bit different. And I even saw earlier where they were talking about Devin DuVernay getting even more potential carries because he has this explosive ability, a 13-yard run that you swore was like 50 because you hadn't seen it in a while. And so I think that uh, the more creative they can be, yeah, utilizing some of their speed, talent, and Duvernay, I think that that's going to help them. Yeah, it, it certainly will. And I think for Duvernay in particular, you know, a lot of teams, they don't unveil the, their whole playbook in week one, right? They, they have those plays they're saving or they're coming up with and saving for these games late in the season that we just haven't seen yet. And so some of those dynamic plays with Devin Duvernay with some of these other players, maybe we see Marquise Brown get involved, maybe someone else. But they have to find different ways to make up for what Dobbins and Edwards brought to this offense that they just don't have anymore. And it's a bit disappointing because I know so many people are expecting J.K. Dobbins to have this huge second season. Mm-hmm. Gus Edwards continues to improve every year. But the, again, I agree with you, Q. They're working with what they're working with, and that's just what it is at this point in the year. But moving on to the defense, th- this Ravens defense has been incredible over the past three weeks. One offensive touchdown allowed in each of their last three games. And in Cleveland, they did not have Clayus Campbell, who has arguably been their best run defender this season. They're going up against the best rushing offense in the NFL. They hold him to under three yards of carry. They hold Nick Chubb to two yards of carry. I mean, without Brandon or without Clayus Campbell, they have guys like Brandon Williams stepping up just in that week eight. How impressed were you with how well this run defense performed in week 12? I was thoroughly impressed. And the guy that, you know, we need to give flowers to is, you know, I know we're talking defensive front, but. How about Tyus Bowser? You know, how about the way he's played in, in just the last few weeks? You know, making impact plays and turning the you know tide of the game around uh, by tackling Justin Fields and stripping the ball away from him. Coming back against Cleveland and really the the last you know what three plays he closed out the game. Uh, that that that's kind of like playing like a Raven uh, that we've been accustomed to seeing for for years when it comes to you know a defensive minded football team. I thought Brandon Williams, you know, when it comes to fit, when I say fit, it's how you are going to address an offensive line's blocking scheme as a defender and keeping your your shoulders square and not letting them get turned. The moment you get them turned, and I remember the late, great uh, Clarence Brooks, who was phenomenal defensive line coach, um, he would tell me one of the things that made his defensive front so good and so dependable and you had great players like a Haloti Nada 
was the fact that they never got their shoulders turned. And so it was hard to get up the field and run the ball. And I thought uh, Brandon and company just did a great job of being aggressive, seeing and trusting their technique and not being out of position, which allowed for like a Tyus Bowser to come up, play as well as he did, show that, hey, look, we are strong when we play well together, knowing our assignments. So, you know, good stuff by by this defense as far as, you know, continually. Uh, It's not pretty, but very much tip of the cap to the way they've been able to play. Yeah, and this run defense has turned into one of the best run stuffing units in the NFL. They've done it with Campbell. They've shown they can do it without Campbell. So it's not just one player, right? This is a whole team effort that they can go in with and say, you know what, we're down one of our guys, but we can still go out there and hold one of these best rushing Mm -hmm. offenses in the NFL and really make, in this case, the Browns offense very one-dimensional with an injured quarterback, which just played to their advantage even more. But we'll head into our first break. We'll make it back. We'll be flipping and talking about the Ravens' Week 13 matchup with the Steelers and previewing it from the Ravens' offense perspective. So stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back. You listen to podcasts with the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks, you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all the knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save, Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers covers not available everywhere or for all phones. Network see boostmobile.com for details. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar in Built Bar. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. There are so many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing. We have raspberry and mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate or cookies and cream and peanut butter brownie. Built Bar gives you that extra feel you need to bust down those mold doors. Or if you're standing at end of shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they'll fight for it and things could get out of hand. Santa told me to tell you to throw a few Bilt Bars in those stockings. So many flavors, they make anyone's Christmas shopping a happy one. Dip your Bilt Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa or let it melt a little and give your beverage a bit of that Bilt Bar flavor. Do you, if you like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on the Bilt Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. So go to Bilt.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off of your order. We return here. It's our second segment of this Purple Friday edition of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Oshak, your host, still here with Kadri Ismail. And Kadri, this this Ravens team going up to Heinz Field, playing these Pittsburghs, there's another, another divisional matchup. You know, we're talking about sometimes, you know, when is this team going to get the blowout win? I don't know if it's coming anytime soon. I just want to say this. This is Steelers week, and every week when it's Steelers week or every year when it's Steelers week, my thinking is, okay, like throw every record of what, who, why, when out the window. I don't care if you're playing bad or they're playing bad. I mean, my goodness, man, it it doesn't matter from an injury standpoint. It is always a tight game. It's always coming down to who blinks first. Um, There's going to be some hard hits. You know, even though the the names on the back of the jersey over the years have changed, you know, it's amazing that the legacy of of the teams continue to move forward. Um, I I love it. I love how Alejandro Villanueva, he's going to be, you know, going up against his old teammate. And 
you know, he has a tremendous amount of respect for them on the other side. But, yeah, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm on this side now. I, I want to win. I love the fact that, you know, you got a, a young guy in my mind and Tyus Bowser, but he's like, yeah, some of these young guys don't know what it is like to be in Steelers Week. So the fact that he was talking about it, um, you just know. You know it's a it's a different week. It's a different feel. And, and I don't care what, you know, it looked like as far as Pittsburgh and literally getting their butts handed to them handily by um, the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, that, that, that was – that was a butt whooping, and and to be honest with you, I didn't expect it to be that fierce. But uh, kudos to to the Bengals, one. But number two, okay, and throw it all out the window. Here comes Pittsburgh. Yeah, and one of my favorite clips from at least the Ravens practice that the social media team there has posted, and they do a great job, is I can't remember whether it's Pernell McPhee or whether it was Ed Reed. It was one of them. And some one of the Ravens was wearing a yellow, you know, just practice jersey. And someone said, whether it was McPhee or Reed, he's like, you know, I hate that color. Like, you know, th- this is Steelers week. Like, this is what it is. And for this team, for these two teams, the rivalry is so well known. I think it's the best in football, at least one of them by far. And these two teams, I agree, you know, every single game for them, it's it doesn't matter who's doing well, who's not doing well. These are usually very close games, very highly contested games. Some great moments have come out of them, some heartbreak, some triumph for this Ravens team. And I think it's going to be another one of them. But for this offense, Q, you have a quarterback in Lamar Jackson who it's very arguable to say that he has struggled the most versus any one team. If you could say, hey, Lamar Jackson struggled against this team. Pittsburgh has been that team that he's really had a lot of struggles against over his NFL career. Uh, the last time he played against Pittsburgh was at an M&T Bank Stadium. He didn't play in the, you know, some people called it the COVID bowl because they had 17 injured or injured. They had 17 guys on the COVID list in that game. Another 10 on injured reserve. They were depleted. They almost pulled out that win too, 19 to 14 loss, but coming off of four interceptions Q, sometimes a quarterback's mental isn't right after that, but it seems like Lamar Jackson is very strong in that aspect. He can, he said, you know, he lets it fester and then, and then he gets to the next week. So do you expect a bounce pack performance from him against the team that he struggled against so far in his career? Yeah. I, you know, I remember when when the Ravens traveled to Pittsburgh, and you're right, he did have his struggles. Um, it's interesting, though, because as much as he struggled, he still was able to you know, be the Lamar Jackson that the league was being introduced to. I think when we saw him last against Pittsburgh, the one you're referencing at home, yeah, you know, starting it off with a pick six and then having to rebound. And I know T.J. Watt and company, I mean, they just literally, they were like, we're getting after him. We're going to go up the field and get in his face and dare him to to either hold the ball. Okay, we're going to tackle you and you're going to feel it. Or you're going to try to get rid of the ball and we're going to touch you up a little bit. Um, so I think for him – um, it's good that he had this bad of a game because I think there's a determination factor that uh, makes him so special. And I think that he will bounce back. We've seen it, obviously, from a playoff standpoint, uh, reference back Tennessee. And I think that is where Lamar, because Cincinnati thoroughly whooped up on um, Pittsburgh, you can't necessarily say, well, if I'm like, I'm in other words, if I'm Pittsburgh or Pittsburgh fan, but anyway, <laughs> I digress. 
they if if they are saying oh man you know this is a good you know get back in the conversation game you know against our hated rival in the ravens i think for lamar it's yeah i i'm i am i am all out for my redemption i'm gonna play extremely well let's go get this i think for the ravens defense it's hey um Pittsburgh is is reeling right now. This is a great opportunity for us to to stack another game in our favor when it comes to the way we played. Um, yeah, sure. You know, you had the loss against Miami, but the defense showed up. You had the loss, obviously, or the win, excuse me, against you know the the Bears defense. You don't you don't get back in the game if it's not for the defense. And then obviously last week against uh, Cleveland, where that game should have, would have, and all the other things been a Cleveland Brown type of game to win and steal a victory. They couldn't get it done. So kudos to the defense. And I think that's something that, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing when it comes to moving forward and, and looking to, to this great matchup against the Steelers. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's a game that I think is going to be such a good one and one that the Ravens can potentially take advantage of a Steelers team that isn't playing particularly well at this time. And part of that is on the defensive side of the ball for them. They are the second worst rushing defense in terms of net yards per attempt, in terms of pass yards through the air allowed. They're also struggling a little bit. They're kind of a mediocre to, you know, bottom tier unit. They're 19th in terms of net yards per attempt yeah. allowed. So talking about this receiving core, you know, assuming everybody's healthy on the field, everybody's good. This could be a big game for potentially a Mark Andrews because you see the Pittsburgh linebacker crew struggling a little bit. Maybe you get Rashad Bateman's first touchdown. We've been talking about it for ever since he got on the field. When is Rashad Bateman scoring this first touchdown? Do you expect a big game, like a, a very big game by any of these Baltimore receivers? Or do you think it will be another well-balanced effort? Because Lamar Jackson has been spreading the ball out a, a really well over the course of this year. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when they choose to feature Lamar's um, tight ends compared to when they will give a strong burn to, say, a, a Marquise Brown or, oh, wow, now it's, it's um, you know, Bateman's turn or, gosh, you know, let, let's let's get Sammy Watkins involved. Obviously, you know, um, the, the Chicago game, he makes the critical catch at the end of the game. Um, it's interesting, Kevin. I, I think when it comes to it um, – yeah, I will say from a matchup aspect of things, it's whether or not you get the favorable matchup and then you keep feeding it and feeding it and feeding it. And so that is where I'm like, all right, you got some injuries. Clearly, if you look at the Cincinnati uh, film, and I don't know if, um, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick, how healthy or available he's going to be. I know Joe Hayden was out. So there were some some key pieces that were out that I think if if they aren't all 100%, I would absolutely attack them on the outside. Yeah, and with the Ravens, this is the best core Lamar Jackson's had to throw the football to. And I know for the past couple of years, we've – really seen like all right a team's gonna take away Marquise Brown or take away Mark Andrews and then it's gonna be like a huge game for Brown huge game for Andrews but there aren't other guys who are there to step up like you know no no, no disrespect to Willie yeah. Sneed no disrespect to any of those guys but they're not a player like Rashad Bateman is right now who has come into this offense 
has immediately become one of Lamar Jackson's favorites. He's a chain mover, has shown good hands. And this core for him is one that he can trust and just be a lot more comfortable in the pocket. And so if you can attack Pittsburgh on the outside, as you talked about their cue, I think you could see a really, really nice bounce back performance for Jackson in a big game by a couple of these receiving options, especially against the Pittsburgh defense that just hasn't been up to their standards over the last couple of seasons, all things considered. We'll head into our final break, though. We'll make it back. We'll be flipping the field and talking about the Ravens defense in this matchup with Pittsburgh. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be back soon. Bet online as you covered all season with more props, odds, and last than ever before as football season continues to march into the playoffs. Bet online remains the number one spot for all the sports action this season. That's one of new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. This is our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, to wait, take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. We return here, our final segment of this Purple Friday edition of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker is still here with Kadri Ismael. And Kadri, the Ravens defense has played great over the past three weeks. They've allowed just four total touchdowns in the last three weeks. And look, they're playing Miami and Chicago and Cleveland, so it's not like these are the best offenses in the NFL, but you can you can only play who's in front of you. And they've done a great job of doing that. So now against the Pittsburgh offense that – I mean, has really struggled this season. You know, the stats on it, they're the 29th best rushing team. They're averaging just 3.7 yards per carry. They're also the 26th best passing offense in terms of net yards per attempt, just 5.7 through the air. But let's start with that passing offense in Pittsburgh and with Ben Roethlisberger. Because, look, I would be shocked if it's not Ben Roethlisberger's last yeah. year this season. Yeah, he He's lost some of the mobility. He's lost some of the arm strength. You know, this, this Pittsburgh offense we've seen, it's kind of dink and dunk. Would you attack Ben Roethlisberger with pressure? Because obviously that's Don Martindale's MO. They're, they're not going to necessarily shy away from that. But if you're the Ravens, do you want to get that pressure on Roethlisberger early? Or do you want to kind of commit more to guys like Claypool and Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth and just bet on Ben Roethlisberger not being able to beat you with his arm? I, You know what? I would hesitate to just be free reign um, because when you get rid of the ball quick, you know, you're, you're putting a lot of pressure on your defensive backs to tackle. Not saying that we have witnessed some bad tackling, but we've missed some missed tackles that we've witnessed. And if you look at the Chicago game, I'm sure they're looking at the Chicago game saying, oh, homeboy went 60 off of a little quick pass. I think we can put some of that into play. So, yeah, now I'm not ready to just say, ha, <laughs> be all out aggressive against Ben Roethlisberger. I think he still has enough moxie. Again, this is a huge rival game. He can get it out. And when he does get it out, it's about, hey, I know where I need to go, whether it is Johnson or whether it is Claypool. Johnson gets targeted an awful, awful lot. And so you you know he has strong run up to catch. I just I just don't I don't trust being aggressive for the sake of being aggressive. Um, Nigel Harris, he's, you know, very capable, very, you know, elusive. Um, he can get some things going in the, in the, um, passing game as well out of the backfield. Right, let's pump the brakes as far as the overall aggressiveness and, you know, put yourselves in a position where Ben has to be perfect. That's where I think you can capitalize and get Ben Roethlisberger just because he's just not the same guy that, you've been accustomed to seeing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, you know, there are ways to beat the Steelers team. There are more of them. 
this season because of the way that Roethlisberger has played They're They're missing Juju Smith-Schuster a little bit as well. The offensive line isn't amazing for them this season. So if you can get pre- if you can get pressure with four or five and not have to blitz all the time and then kind of work in those corner blitzes and kind of make them uncomfortable, especially with a short passing game, one of the best ways to beat a blitzing defense is with the short passing game. So I think if Pittsburgh realizes that if Baltimore's blitzing, they're doing cover zero, whatever they're doing, then they could say, hey, we're just going to throw those screen passes to Deontay Johnson and just let them work in open space because there are going to be two guys there and we'll have four blockers out in front. So those are the types of areas where I think if the Ravens can get pressure early with four or five, it can really establish a tone. But Q, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how you think Baltimore might match up their corners with these Pittsburgh receivers because – you could make an argument that, hey, look, Deontay Johnson's this team's best wide receiver. Marlon Humphrey's the Ravens' best corner. So let's match him up. Let's have him travel, and that'll be that. But we did see in week five, Anthony Averett has have his worst game against Michael Pittman, who was a much bigger receiver than he was. You have Chase Claypool on Pittsburgh, who is a very big receiver, very good at contested catches. So mm-hmm. do, you, do you see any scenario where the Ravens could potentially opt to put Humphrey on Claypool? The, the return of Jimmy Smith could be big as well, depending on how much he plays, because you could match him up with Fryermuth as a tight end, because the Ravens seem to love him in that role. How do you see these Ravens corners matching up with these Pittsburgh wide receivers? Yeah, so if you look at the quick game, you know, you got to have some savviness to you. I'm sure they're probably going to, you know, line up inside edge of the receiver, not allow him just to get that, you know, good, quick, easy release. Today inside, make Ben Roethlisberger, you know, throw it and use up some of his arm. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think – you could see a change-up where, yes, we're going to start with uh, maybe a matchup on Johnson and see if Marlon, you know, how he fares with it. Um, I do know that he's not afraid and not going to be one of those guys that shy away from uh, another team's, you know, big play threat. He's not the quickest, per se, so... I don't necessarily know if the matchup is where you're saying talent to talent is favorable. He's a very physical guy, no question about it. So that's why I'm thinking maybe if there's a matchup, he would go to Claypool. And I think Anthony Averett is that quick guy, but he has to be technique sound. I'm like, screw it. Bring down some help from the second day. Bring some safety help, double up on Johnson, and let Marlin have his way on the backside with Claypool. That's how I would look at it. Yeah, and, and it's definitely an easy way to see it. I agree with you, Q, where you know you get the physical player matched up with the physical player, and you play to those strengths, and then you have Averett on Johnson, who he can kind of match that speed a little bit. And even, you know, you could throw Chris, Chris Westry in there, who is very, very raw. He's, he's very raw, but, you know, has the size, has the speed. Can he do some stuff? Potentially, but look, I'm, I'm trusting Marlon Humphrey and Anthony Averett over Chris Westry for sure. But Q, for, for predictions for this game, you know, I remember we talked last week and you said, look, it's very important that the Ravens go 3-0 and in this stretch here, the Cleveland-Pittsburgh-Cleveland stretch. Well, the Ravens are 1-0. They travel to Heinz Field now with that win over Cleveland under their belt. Do you see a third straight victory for this Ravens team dating back to Week 11? Yeah, I do. I think this is something that um, is important for playoff implications. Win your division doesn't really matter as far as the – uh, other games, but you win your division, take care of business there. Now you control your own destiny. The Ravens right now are in the number one spot. I know that that comes with a lot of cachet, especially with the extra week in the season. Um, and then their way the playoffs, there's a new structure that's going to be implemented. 
So that's something to take into consideration. With that said, I think this game is a game in which Pittsburgh has struggled. You take advantage of a wounded animal and you don't give it hope. You got to be able to get out there and play fast. Now, I would love to see him again, get on the first drive and, you know, score. They haven't done it. We get it. We understand it. I think the way they're averaging, you know, <laughs> this is so funny because in the Lamar Jackson era, we're spoiled. Oh, they're only averaging 24 points a game because we're used to them averaging close to 30 and sometimes over 30 in his his tenure as the starting quarterback. So, yeah, you know, we want this team to, to be a high-functioning team early on and put the women and children to bed, meaning Ben Roethlisberger and company, they have no hope. So that's something that is going to be really interesting to see how quickly can they capture momentum in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and, you know, Q, you could argue almost that this game is for Pittsburgh's season because they came off of a, I mean, brutal division loss to Cincinnati last week where they're already reeling in that area. You add another loss to their record in general, plus another division loss, you know, come playoff time in a division that, you know, if Cleveland somehow picks it up and they get over their injuries and Baker Mayfield starts playing, you know, we could potentially see a division that has three teams in the playoffs, four teams in the playoffs. But at the same time, if Pittsburgh loses this game, they drop to five, six and one. And, you know, how much can you do with that record? I'm not entirely sure, but I, you know, I agree. I, I saw the Ravens sweeping Pittsburgh before this year started. I am still on that train. I just think with the way Ben Roethlisberger is playing there, the Pittsburgh Steelers are really beat up on the defensive line as well. So maybe this is a game where we see one or two big runs from the running get running backs, but maybe, maybe not. I, I think that this will be a physical game. It'll be a close game. You know, the Ravens, they, they haven't made it easy for their fans this year in terms of the 30 point, 40 point blowouts. You know, the heart is always beaten fast till the clock hit zero. But I do think that, you know, this is one of the best robberies in the NFL. You see it each and every time these two teams match up. You throw everything out the windows. You talked about in terms of records and stats. I'm going to unconventional final score. I'm going to say 24 to 18, like super, super unconventional. I think this is a game that Lamar Jackson does have a bounce back performance, but not like, hey, I'm throwing for 400 yards and five touchdowns. It's, you know what, I'm more efficient with the football. I'm keeping it safe. I'm not turning it over. And I think that's where you can see improvement in his game. Lamar Jackson is not a quarterback with those four interceptions and contests. It's just not what he does. So I think the Ravens pull out a victory here. I think they go 2-0 and over the last two divisional games and head into week 14 against Cleveland with a very big momentum swing in their favor. But Q, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining me here on the show once again. And hopefully we'll be talking again. This Ravens team will be nine and three in the top of the AFC, continuing that stretch in week 14. Again, a big thanks to Kaji for stopping by on the show, talking some Ravens football. This should be a very good week 13 matchup between the Ravens and the Steelers. It is Steelers week after all, and those games are usually very exciting. That's all that I have for you today here, though, on Locked on Ravens. When we get back here on Monday after our two-day break, we'll be diving into everything relating to the Ravens week 13 match with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you on Monday.